Thank you, choir. Uh, most Sundays, Caitlin Maddox is right here. Well, her little girl, Caroline, had a pretty tough accident. She's got several broken bones. And uh, what is she, 12? Thir not 13 yet. 12. So uh, I want us just to pray for them, okay? Y'all just agree with me about that. And uh, y'all pray for Caroline today. Would you just pray right now? Just pray for Caitlin and uh, help her be a great caregiver and for this little girl to be healed. Lord, I thank you for our dear friends that we work with day by day, week by week, Sunday by Sunday. Lord, sometimes we forget that everybody's got pain. And I pray for Caitlin today, help her with her mother's heart. And I pray for little Caroline. Lord, love that little girl. Thank you for her smile and for her resilient spirit. And I pray you'll be her healer, meet her every need. And Lord, I pray there'll be no permanent damage from these fractures of her bones. And I give her to you today. And I believe. Lord, we've been singing about that. And that just moves my heart to believe you today. We're asking you to hear and answer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, take your Bible. Let's go to the sixth chapter of Romans, a message entitled Victory in Jesus. Romans chapter 6, and we'll read here in a moment. Uh, know that the fifth chapter is justification. The sixth chapter begins to walk into sanctification. And so those two items we're looking at uh, here back to back, uh, the book just kind of grows, chapter verse breaks kind of get in the way sometimes, but we, we see these here and uh, we're growing right out of God justifying us by his blood to then making us holy, holy, holy in sanctification. So we come to Romans 6 beginning in verse 1 and we'll read the chapter and then look together at this message, victory in Jesus. You listen now because this is the word of our great God. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus uh, have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also be with him in the likeness of the resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body 
as, uh, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God, though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Justification. Moving now in the work of sanctification. During World War II, Pearl Harbor, Japanese invasion, Torah, Torah, Torah was the command. Here came the bombers, led by Mitsuo Fushida, a Japanese captain, a pilot who led the attack on Pearl Harbor. Fushida grew up without faith, nominal, even less than nominal as a Buddhist, but did not believe really in any God. But he served his nation and came against ours at Pearl Harbor. After the war, he met a man by the name of Jake DeShazer. DeShazer was a sergeant in U.S. military. He wound up as a prisoner of war for well over two years in a Japanese camp. After DeShazer got out of camp and the war was over, He was released. God did a work in his life. And he began to tell the story of how while he was in that POW camp, he had a Bible, and the Bible was the book that got him through his imprisonment. And he found hope in Christ alone. Fushada 
later heard Deshazer tell that story. He said, well, if that book could help him, maybe it would help me. And Fashada read the book, and he ran headlong into Jesus of Nazareth. God gloriously saved that Japanese pilot, changed his life dramatically. God later made a preacher out of him. He went around the world sharing his little booklet that he wrote entitled, From Pearl Harbor to Golgotha, and how God had changed his life, came to justification, he came to sanctification. And let me tell you, dear friend, what God did for that Japanese pilot, he'll do for you if you'll come to the foot of the cross, coming from your Pearl Harbor to Calvary, from wherever you are, under the foot of the cross. And what God did for that pilot, he'd do for you. And when he saves you, He forgives you and then he changes you and makes you holy. Justification and then sanctification. I want to think about those two words for a few minutes this morning, then give you three simple items to remember as you leave here. Give an invitation and ask some of you to walk out of that pew and come here to the front. Take my hand and say, Pastor, I need what that Japanese pilot found in Christ and you come be saved today. When I ask some of you to get up and walk right here and say, I've been saved, but I've never been baptized like uh, that college student, and I'm coming to do that today. Some to come and join this church, then, then you'll come. And I'll give you those three simple truths that I want you to see. But before we get there, I want to steal from J. Vernon McGee, that old radio preacher. Some of you have heard him like I did as a kid growing up. Others of you never heard his name. He was a country preacher, but oh, did God use him in Los Angeles, California. J. Vernon McGee lays two lists together of justification and sanctification. I want to show you these this morning. Five bullet points out of both of those. Just see these very quickly. First of all, justification, J. Vernon McGee says, is an act. An act. Not that you're putting on airs, but it it is an act. It, It happens. And then sanctification is not just a one-time act, it is a work that God does in our life. Justification, McGee says, is instantaneous, and it is. When you trust Jesus, you say right then, right there. Just like being born the first time, born the second time, yes, it's instantaneous. Your sins are forgiven, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And while justification is instantaneous, sanctification is a process, a process. Justification is what God does for us. Sanctification is what God does in us. Justification declares us righteous. Sanctification makes us righteous. In justification, God removes the guilt and the penalty of sin. While in sanctification, he removes the growth and the power of sin. 
So I challenge you, do you know you've been saved? Do you know you've been justified? Justification is that moment of salvation. You'd say, Pastor, right here's when I got saved. I came to Christ and I understood justification, that he paid my debt and I was forgiven. Well, when that happens instantaneously, then the process of the spirit life begins to work in you. And this is Romans 6 of how God then begins to work out holiness and sanctification in your life. Now, hear me. You're never going to be without sin. We'll all struggle to the day we die. Because we're in this veil of flesh. But friend, there is victory in Jesus. He will give you power to walk in holiness. What are the steps to victory? Well, three steps I want you to see. And it's pretty simple. I just want you to know something. Then I want you to do something. And then I want you to receive something today. Three simple things that I want you to see. First of all, know this. The Bible says two things happen to you when you get saved. You're baptized and crucified. Baptized and crucified. He says it right here. Notice, you're baptized in verses 3, 4, and 5. This has nothing to do with water. Though he uses the illustration of baptism. You you are immersed into Christ. Now, when you come to faith, you should go into that baptistry and be baptized. You should do that. But that's not where you're baptized into Christ. You're baptized by the Spirit of God. Notice verses 3, 4, and 5. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? There it is. You're baptized with him. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into his death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we also will be in the likeness of his resurrection. When you get saved, you are immersed into Christ. You're baptized. It's a spirit baptism where God changes your life drastically. Water is the picture, but this is spirit baptism. But not only baptized, crucified. Notice in verses 6, 7, and 8, knowing this, this is what I want you to know, know this, that the old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now look right here at me. Listen, don't forget this. When you get saved, you come to Jesus, two things happen in your life. You are baptized into Christ and you are crucified with Christ. You don't crucify yourself. You're crucified with Christ. Matter of fact, you can't crucify yourself. You can't nail but one hand to the wall. After you nail that hand, you, yeah, you, that doesn't work over here. All right? You don't crucify yourself. You're crucified with Jesus. This is a spirit crucifixion. You, you're baptized with Jesus, and you're crucified with him. You're baptized into the spirit, and you're dead. Your old man's dead. You die. That doesn't mean your fleshly body is dead. It's still alive. I know a lot of lost people, and they are alive and well. Presenting their members unto ungodliness. Those members being their hands, or eyes, or feet. we get to that in just a moment. But know this, friend. When you got saved, you were baptized into Christ, and you were crucified with Christ. And nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing. Say that word. 
Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You cannot lose your salvation once it is given to you. You've been baptized. You don't get unbaptized. You just crucified with Christ. You don't get uncrucified. You are His forever and ever and ever and ever. World without end. Glory to God. It's called the security of the believer. You are His. Perfect goodness No. I know enough about me to know we're not perfect. And I know enough about a bunch of you to know we're not perfect. But know this, get it in your mind, of what you are in Christ. So number one, know these things. You're baptized and crucified with Christ. Secondly, do this. Do this. After you know what Christ has done for you, then he gives you a direction. And the direction is this. Present yourself to God. Notice verse 13. He says it three different times. Verse 13, do you not, uh, and do not go on presenting the members of your body as Uh, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead in your members, your hands, your eyes, your feet, as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse 16, he says it again. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either to sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? Verse 19, he says it again. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting, and here's our word, sanctification sanctification some translations don't use the word present they use the word yield you give it you, you, you yield yourself to God you give yourself to God Paris, peristami peristami para on the front end it's along with stimmy on, on the end you stand alongside you come to stand and you stand and the word can also mean a prolonged standing Standing forever and ever and ever. So here's what you got to get in your mind. Friend, if you want to be sanctified and be holy, after you get saved and you know you're saved and you're his, you then day by day present yourself to God. Present yourself. Now keep your finger at Acts, I mean Romans 6, because we come up, but go to the right, two or three pages to Romans 12. I want to show you something. You know this, and we'll preach about it here in a few weeks. But Romans 12, look, look at this. In Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brethren, Romans 12, you got it? Say, I got, I got it. Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, don't shout when I say this. This is a verb in the aorist tense. It'll make your socks run up down your legs when you understand that. What it means is you present yourself one time. You've given yourself, but following verse number one, there are 36, 36 active, continuous action verbs about this presentation. You give yourself to God. You sell out to him, and then he gives us 36 more 
actions that we should be taking on an ongoing basis. They're all there in, in uh, chapter 12. Look down to verse number 9 and you'll see that list. I just want to pick on one of them for a minute. Let love be without hypocrisy. There's one. Abhor evil. That's good. Uh, cling to what is good. That's three. Be devoted to one another in love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Here's the one I want to bear down on for a moment. Fervent in spirit. The next one, serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit. That He's telling us we must keep our lives for Christ at a boiling point. Don't get cold and indifferent. Keep yourself at a boiling point for Christ. Fervent, hot, passionate, running over. You present yourself and then you keep yourself hot. You say, how do I do that? Well, every morning when you get up, you present yourself to God before you present yourself to your phone, before you present yourself to your television, before you find out what the weather is, you ask God how the day is going to be. Before you go to Facebook, before you go to Instagram, before you go to X, go to the cross. Present yourself. Present your members, your hands. Lord, this is what I'm going to do today. Give you that. Lord, I'll give you my eyes today. I'm going to give you that. This is what I'm thinking today. My hands, my feet, my knees. Lord, I. Then you go about your day. And you're like, God, be Lord of those things, not those things. Be Lord of you. <laughs> Social media is so stupid. On Facebook this week, I got a friend request from myself. <laughs> That's true. I did not accept it. I said, I already, I, I already know him, and I'm friends with him already. I'm not going to do that. Uh -uh. I don't know what lying dog's behind that, but I ain't doing that. I can't figure out, why would anybody want to be me? I can't figure that out. It's so silly. It's a great medium. We use it. We do things. And it's a, well, let me tell you, friend, keep your life at a spiritual boiling point. Passionate for King Jesus. Amen. John and I told him in the early service, we, we enjoy sports and he runs and I watch. And <laughs> I used to do it, but now he does it. And I just say, that a boy, go get him. He's a big Tennessee fan. I'm an Alabama fan. They won last year. We won this year. And we, we're at the game and we're having fun. And uh, I'm sitting there and the Tennessee guy's behind me. And I got kind of riled up and hollering. And, and there were two people sitting next to this guy. The first football game they'd ever been to in their life. They're from Columbia, the country of Columbia, not South Carolina. I mean, and I looked around, and they're just kind of, I said, well, listen, it's not soccer, but we like it pretty good, okay? During the fourth quarter when it got kind of hot, and I started hollering for my team, they said to that guy, I said, what's wrong with him? What they asked. And the Tennessee guy said about, he said, he is just passionate about his team. And I turned around and gave him a high five. I am just like you are. But then that's over. It's just high-dollar entertainment, and then you go somewhere and do something else. 
If you're not more passionate about your king that went to the cross for you than you are a bunch of 11 guys running around the field, none of which you know on a first name basis, you have missed the spiritual life. Yes, sir. You got to keep yourself at a boiling point in love with Jesus above all. Stay in this book, I'm telling you. He will do it. Just read, just read the word every morning. You say, Pastor, some of that's hard. I know it. See, I can't understand. That's not the problem. That's not the problem I have. It's the part I can't understand that gives me fits. <laughs> God deals with my soul. He dealt with my soul in Genesis this morning. I rose early just to read the Word of God. Go over there where Jacob trying to get a wife. Had to work 14 years to get a wife. I said, good grief. That doesn't seem right. But I learned about the building of the kingdom. Persistence. Keep yourself at a fervent pitch for Jesus. So that somebody might say, well, I wonder what he's so passionate about. Team Jesus. That'll lead you to sanctification. Know this, baptize and crucify. Do this, present yourself to God. Now, I'm going to say this, and... and God's not going to deal with some of y'all about this this morning, but he is in days to come. Uh, I moved here 33 years ago this week. I, I moved to Pensacola. Next Sunday is my 33rd anniversary as pastor of this church. And um, I've been preaching to some of y'all that whole time. And not once have some of you been to this altar. Now, I know my preaching is not that good, but I have other people that come preach here, and they're pretty good. Say, Pastor, I don't have to come here. No, you don't. You you don't have to come here. Unless the Holy Ghost tells you to come. You say, well, I see some people, they go a lot. I said, well, maybe they need to come a lot. Don't you worry about them. You just be concerned about you. And God may be just drawing a line in your life some Sunday and he'll say, let's go. And sometimes you go not for yourself, but for others that are seeing you. But you don't go for what they see. You go because what God said. And there are times that you need to present yourself anew and afresh unto the Lord and publicly. You ought to do it every day in the morning when you rise. However your day is just to say, Lord. I give you my life and present yourself to God anew and afresh and ask him to keep you at a boiling point and he leads you to sanctification. You give him your members, he says, your mind, your eyes, your hands, your feet, your knees, all, all of your life, the members of your life, you, you, of your body, you give unto him. So know this, baptize, crucified. Do this, present yourself in sanctification. And then thirdly, receive this. Receive this. It's the very last verse. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Notice it. All of us have sinned, and the wage, the payoff of that, is death, hell. 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's given. You just receive it. Liz and I went up with the senior adult group to North Carolina. We flew and we were coming back. We got on the plane uh, Friday, flew quickly from Asheville to Atlanta, jumped on the plane to Atlanta. We went back, slid into our seat, and we were there. In a moment, here came a couple down the aisle, and she's carrying a beautiful, beautiful box. It's like this long, about this high and wide, beautifully wrapped with ribbons and a big bow on it. They're going to some party somewhere. For, I don't know what they're doing with it. And, and they came to, and they were sitting right in front of us. And they came all the way back. And as they got to their seat and started in, I stood up and said, I didn't think you remembered, but thank you so much for remembering. And she looked at me like, this is not for you. I said, well, I thought it was, you know, you know. It's not a gift for you. Dear friends, when Jesus comes down the aisle, the gift is for you. It's the free gift of eternal life in Christ. And as he offers, if you will receive it, he'll baptize you in the spirit. You're crucified with him, dead to yourself, alive to Christ. And you have a phenomenal life as God roots things out of your life that were there. And now you present yourself unto him. After you, can you remember when you received the gift? Remember? You were baptized, and then he begins to work in your life. This Japanese pilot, I encourage you, you can read his book. From Pearl Harbor to Calvary. You can find it online. It's less than $10. You can order one, or you can really be cheap. And you can read the summary online. It'll tell you just his story of what God did in his life and how he was transformed. And then God made him a preacher. He tells in his book, after Pearl Harbor, as the war went on, he was a pilot at Midway. This is when the Americans are coming. He had just had an appendectomy. He's in the sick bay, in a bed on a ship, having had surgery. And the Americans came and started blowing that place to smithereens. He said, a bomb hit the plane I was on. I was in the sick bay, and a bomb blew the side of the ship open. And it blew me out into the ocean. And I've just had surgery. He said, I don't know how I stayed afloat. But I did. And finally they rescued me and got me back. And he said, the only way I can understand the way I survived is if the hand of God was there keeping me for something. And drew me back and I lived until I could hear the gospel from Mr. DeShazer when he would later give me the track and the Bible and God would gloriously say, God saved my life in his sovereign hand during that explosion of the ship so that he could get me to Calvary. 
you could write your story. It's not Pearl Harbor to Calvary, but you, you, you have something that you replace Pearl Harbor. It may be Sammy's nightclub to Calvary. It may be a bar to Calvary. It may be the corner office making big money to Calvary. It may be the sports activity to Calvary. It may be a homemaker to Calvary. But from wherever you are, you've got to come to Calvary. And it's there at Calvary that God gave his life for you. And when you bow at the foot of that old rugged cross, he saves you and you are baptized and you are crucified. Then you present yourself to him and he begins to work in you, this text says. And it results, verse 19, in sanctification in verse 22. But now having been freed from sin, some of you are free from sin, hallelujah. But some of you are still enslaved to sin. God will set you free. And it will result in sanctification. And the outcome, verse 22 says, is eternal life. What's running you today? What's control? Are you, have you been set free? Have you been set free? If you're not, run to Calvary. Run to Calvary. And he will set you free. What he did. I wish you could see the people. I hope you'll go online sometime this afternoon. Look at that. From Pearl Harbor to Calvary, you just put that in there, it'll, it'll pop up, and you'll see not this picture of this man that I had up here earlier, of that Japanese warrior, you'll see a beautiful, broad smile on a man in a suit and a tie, and he's getting ready to preach Jesus. God absolutely changed him. From the inside out, he changes us when we present our bodies unto him, a workman that need not be ashamed, holy and acceptable. It's your spiritual service of worship.